Hi, I'm Shane Robertson, and welcome to the Maysville Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Here at Maysville, we want to practice loving God, loving others, and serving the world. I trust this sermon will be an encouragement to you as it challenges your heart and strengthens your walk of faith. Now, grab your Bibles as we get ready to hear from the Word of God. I hope you have your Bibles this morning. Uh, it is a joy to be able to bring to you today our Discovering Maysville study. So we're taking a pause from the book of Acts, and we're going to be looking over the next, starting last week, we're going to take four weeks in the month of August, and we're going to walk through our Discovering Maysville material. It used to be eight weeks, and uh, ever since we come back off the pandemic, uh, our staff's been working on this, and we have got it down to four sessions. You heard the first session last week with Pastor Chris, who did a fantastic job, and uh, just so grateful for his teaching and how the Lord has blessed him with that gift. And so this, these four weeks are more teaching than they are preaching because the Discovering Maysville tells you what you can expect of us as a church and what the church can expect of you as a member. And so we are incorporating this back. When I came seven years ago, we had this eight-week study in place. Uh, we pulled it because we wanted to redo it, and it's taken us this long to redo it. Now we're introducing it again, and we will be teaching this class on Wednesday nights after we finish the sessions over the next uh, three weeks now here uh, in the month of August. So it's called Discovering Maysville, and when you think about Discovering Maysville, we think about really the basis of this class or the basis for this class, and the basis for this is Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 19. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 19, the Bible says this, Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Now I want you to think about what Paul says there in that passage of Scripture. Paul simply tells the church at Ephesus, he says, Right now, because you were born again, because you have received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, you are no longer strangers and foreigners to God. You are now fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So when we got saved, we became collectively a part of the citizenship of heaven. We, in fact, became dual citizens. As a dual citizen, we have citizenship here on earth particularly in the United States of America. But as a born-again child of God, I'm not home yet. My home's in heaven. I am a citizen of heaven. And because my citizenship also lies in heaven, one day when I die, I'm going to be going home. I'm almost home. And when I think about that, I cannot help but think about being here on this earth while we are here. The Lord Jesus Christ has given us community and fellowship with one another in the church, in the ecclesia. And so as we fellowship together, there are some key truths that I want all of us to understand just by way of review in regards to Maysville Baptist Church. Maysville Baptist Church, key truth number one, is that this church, the church, is a family. We're a family. We're a family of believers. And as a, a family of believers, we hurt together, uh, we rejoice together. There are times when we go through struggles together. 
And all through this, we go through all of these things as a family together. Number two, a second key truth is that God expects you to be a member of a church family. There's this expectation in the Word of God that He expects you and I to be a member, a part of a local body of believers. Uh, That's very important. It's very important because we see in Scripture that there's this beautiful relationship between the marriage we have with God, especially in particular with the bride the church, which we are, the bride of Christ, and we see that, and the reference, if you would, to a marriage here on this earth. And we see the intimacy that exists there. And so in order to have that intimacy, you don't need to be legitimate. You need to be legitimate in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and in His church. And so God expects you to be a member of a church family. And then the third key truth that we uh, want to uh, talk about overarching is that a Christian without a church family is an orphan. Uh, A Christian without a church family is an orphan. We don't want there to be any Christian orphans out there. Uh, We clearly understand that Maysville Baptist Church may not be the right fit for you, but we want this church to be thriving, and we don't want any orphans in our community, any orphans in our church. We want everyone to be a part of God's family. And so when you think about uh, the basis for this class and the key truths that exist in that, that moves us to a second question by way of introduction, and that is what makes Maysville a family? What makes us a family? And we just simply said that there are four things which are highlighted in each and every session that make us a family. Number one, the first one is our salvation. That is what God has done for you and I. Because Jesus Christ died on Calvary's cross, was buried and rose again the third day, we, whoever will, whosoever will, according to John 3, 16, can enter into the family of God through salvation. So what makes us a family here at Maysville Baptist Church is thanks be unto God, Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose again the third day. And thank God we're a family. And I got brothers and sisters here that I love dearly because they've been born again and saved by the grace of God. Number two, the second thing that makes us a family, not only our salvation, which we talked about last week, but also our symbols. Our symbols. Uh, That is what we're talking about this week. Now, according to Noah Webster, Noah Webster said that when you use the term symbol as a noun, it means that it is an authoritative summary of faith or doctrine. But when you use that same word, symbol, as a verb, which is communicated as symbolized, when you use it as a verb, it means to represent, express, or identify by a symbol. When you think about that, a good synonym in Scripture that we find regarding symbols is the word ordinance. In particular, God has given us, through Jesus Christ, two ordinances in the church, two symbols that we follow, baptism and the Lord's Supper. Those are the two things that we want to look at today. And then next week we're going to come and we're going to look at our statements, that is, why we exist and what we believe. And then we're going to come back the fourth week and talk about our structure. That is when and where uh, we fulfill our purpose. So today, in thinking about our symbols, and the two symbols again that you and I represent as born-again children of God, are, if you would, number one, baptism, and number two, the Lord's Supper. 
Both of these are memorials to remind us of the identity that we have in Jesus Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection. So this morning, I want us to look a little bit more closely at the first one, baptism. Let's look at baptism, if we could, just a little bit more closely. The Bible says in Mark chapter 1, verse number 9, that it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Uh, when I read that, I couldn't help but think about a little story I heard many years ago about a country preacher who was ministering to his community and they were having a baptismal service and they went down to the local park to have the baptismal service. And as they were baptizing, the local drunk come walking up to the park and he saw the pastor baptizing. The pastor looked and noticed that it was the town drunk and he saw him come up and the man waded in the water and he was very inebriated and he got into the water and he stood in line to be baptized. And as he got to the pastor, the pastor looked at him and said, Sir, why are you here? And he says, Well, I'm, I'm ready to be baptized. The minister said, Are you sure you're ready to find Jesus? He said, Yes, sir. That's exactly why I'm here. I'm ready to find Jesus. So the pastor baptized him and put him down into the water and pulled him back up out of the water and says, Have you found Jesus? The preacher asked. He said, No, sir. I haven't found him, said the drunk. The preacher then dunked him under a bit longer the second time and held him down there just for a little while longer, pulled him up, and the man said, <gasps> the preacher said, did you find Jesus? He said, no, sir, I still hadn't found him yet. Frustrated and trying to teach the drunk a lesson, he took the man, and he baptized him, and he held him under for 30 seconds. His feet began to kick in the water. He pulled him up, and he said, did you find Jesus? To which the man said, oh, Preacher, are you sure this is where he fell in? <laughs> Baptism isn't where you find Jesus. Baptism is what you do once you found him. And by the way, you didn't go looking for him. He came looking for you. So in thinking about baptism, we cannot ignore its importance. The importance of baptism is so vital, especially in our congregation, when it, comes to when it comes to Baptists and why we're Baptists and why we believe what we believe. Let me answer several questions, if I could, concerning the importance of baptism. Question number one, why should I be baptized? Why should I be baptized? Well, there are three reasons in Scripture that you should be baptized. Number one, the first one is to follow the example set by Jesus. Jesus set the example for us by being baptized. Again, we find in Mark chapter number 1 in verse number 9, the instructions that we find here as it says, And it came to pass that in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. When you look at this passage of Scripture on the surface, you see, yeah, he was baptized. But what you don't see is the length that Jesus went to to be baptized. He traveled by foot 70 miles just so he could be baptized by John. He was putting the importance on it. Now, did Jesus need to be baptized? No. Then why was Jesus baptized? He was baptized because he's showing us a beautiful example of humility. It takes tremendous humility to surrender, especially in 2021. 
In 2021, we don't want to surrender anything. We don't want to be accountable to anybody. But according to the Word of God, when you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ and you receive Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, the Bible says those that were saved were gladly baptized. They surrendered to that, and they were following Jesus' example. But there's a second reason in Scripture. The second reason is because Jesus Christ commands it. He commands that you and I should be baptized. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. We know this to be the Great Commission. And the Great Commission is a set of instructions that's been given to you and I that we take to the entire world. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 19, Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. This commission is very clear that's been given to us by the Lord. He tells us that we are to go and we are to make disciples. The goal that we have at Maysville is to make biblical disciples. You can go to any church around today, and there is some good churches around today. And every church has what's called a purpose statement. And we will be talking about over the next couple of weeks what our statements are and why we have those statements. But regardless of what the statements might say, the statements should always reflect the Great Commission. This is why we do what we do here at Maysville. Our desire is to make a biblical disciple. And in making a biblical disciple, the Bible says that we first and foremost must baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit. Dear brother and sister, if you have been saved and you have never been baptized, I beg you to search the Scriptures and to follow the example that is set by Jesus and to obey the command that Jesus has give, given to you and I that we are and should be baptized. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 says this, Now by this we know that we know Him, that is Jesus Christ, if we keep His commandments. Because Christ commanded it is the reason why we are baptized. Number three, here's the third one. The third biblical principle in regards to the importance of baptism has to deal with the fact that it demonstrates the new life of a believer. It demonstrates the new life of a believer. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 6. He says this, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he had loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up together and made to sit together in heavenly places in Jesus Christ. When Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, he was emphasizing, if you would, in particular in this verse, the points uh, of illustration that we find when we come and give our hearts and life to Jesus Christ. You see, baptism does not save you. I, I don't care what Carrie Underwood says. It doesn't matter what's in the water. There's nothing but H2O. That's it. 
But we have been baptized, if you would, in the Holy Spirit when we receive Christ as our personal Savior and Lord. And it is at that moment we are saved. But we walk after the Lord and follow Him in believer's baptism because we have this new life in Jesus Christ. So baptism illustrates Christ's death and resurrection. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 and 4, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. The most important thing that you and I have, dear brothers and sisters, is the Scriptures. And the Scripture says, this is the gospel. Jesus died, was buried, and he rose again. And because we have received that, because we believe that, because we are saved, born again, connected back to God, we can say as Paul said to the Colossians in chapter 2, verse 12, we have been buried with Jesus, buried with him in baptism, in which he also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. You see, baptism illustrates Christ's death and resurrection. When I'm in the pool, I often like to give the illustration before we get in. I say, let's pretend that this finger is the water. And this is the water level. And let's pretend this finger is you. You have received Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. You have trusted him that he is the Messiah. You have repented of your sins, and you've come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. When you enter into that water, baptism is a picture of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. As you are in the water, where the water intersects your body, that is a picture or representation of the cross. When you go under the water, that is a picture and representation of of the death of Jesus Christ. But when you come up out of that water, buried in the likeness of his death and raised in the likeness of his resurrection, it is a picture of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You are identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so it illustrates the death and resurrection of Jesus. But it also illustrates new life as a Christian. Again, buried in the likeness of his death and raised to walk in the newness of life. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse number 17, these words. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have been passed away. Behold, all things have become new. How did those things become new in your life? Did the water wash them away? No. The Holy Spirit washed you in the blood of Jesus Christ. You have been cleansed, and you show that picture that you have been cleansed by being baptized. You're a new life Christian. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. The Bible says this. By our baptism then, we are buried with him and, share, and shared his death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, so also we may live a new life. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in the newness of life. Baptism 
does not make you a believer. However, it does publicly identify you with Jesus Christ. Baptism does not save you. Only your faith in Christ does that. Baptism is like a wedding ring. It's the outward symbol of a commitment you made to Jesus Christ. I stand before you today and I have my wedding band on. Miriam and I just celebrated our 24th wedding anniversary. Before that, we were best buddies. We were good friends growing up for seven years. Now you put that together and that's how long she's been putting up with me. That's why you should pray for us. So we find that because I'm wearing my, my ring, because she's wearing her ring, it is a symbol saying that I'm married. It is a symbol saying she's married. Now what's fascinating is you can take this same ring on this same finger and you can go over uh, to the Ukraine. I visited the Ukraine and preached in the Ukraine. And uh, after I got done preaching, I came down off the pulpit and I was greeting the brothers and sisters in the Ukraine. And my interpreter was beside me, and one came up and said, I have a question for you, Pastor. And I said, yes, I'll be glad to answer that. They says, uh, uh, how are you a pastor and divorced? And I said, I'm not divorced. They said, yes, you are. I said, no, I'm not. They said, yeah, you're divorced. You're wearing your ring on the wrong finger. I said, what do you mean? In the Ukraine, listen to this. In the Ukraine, if you're married, you wear your ring on your right hand not your left. Those that wear their ring on their left hand are signifying that they are divorced. And I just said simply, I said, look, number one, this ring will not fit on this finger. If it would, I would transfer it for you, but it will not. But I am married. Let me show you a picture of my wife and kids. In the West, we wear our rings on our left hand. It symbolizes that we are married. And those that aren't married do not wear a ring at all. Those that are divorced, they don't wear a ring at all. My point is simply this. They are identifying, if you will, they're identifying with whether or not you are married. Same thing is true with baptism. It identifies us with Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 again says this. For by grace you have been saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Number two, question number two. What is baptism by immersion and why is it important? We follow here at Maysville Baptist Church baptism by immersion. That means we put you completely under the water. We don't just sprinkle you with water. We put you under the water. Why is baptism by immersion important and why do we do it that way? There are three reasons. Let me give them to you very quickly. Reason number one, because Jesus was baptized that way. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, And when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. The Bible is very clear in Matthew 3, 16, that Jesus came up out of the water. That means he was completely under the water and he came completely up out of the water. So we baptize by immersion because that's the way Jesus was baptized. Number two, every baptism in the Bible is by immersion. Every one of them. 
when you look at the scriptures, those that were baptized, all of them were baptized by immersion. Acts chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. The Bible says, Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more. And when he went on his way, he was rejoicing. When Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, when they were sharing the beautiful picture of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, when that eunuch was baptized and he was completely under the water, he came up out of the water signifying that he was baptized by immersion, completely under the water. Number three, here's the third reason why we baptize by immersion. The word baptize literally means to dip under water. It doesn't mean to sprinkle. It doesn't mean to spritz. It means to go completely under the water, to immerse completely. That leads us to the third question very quickly. Number three, who should be baptized? Who should be baptized? When you think about who should be baptized, there's only one answer. Every person who has believed in Christ. If you have believed in Jesus Christ, that is, you have trusted him, then you need to be baptized. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 verse 41, to then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Again, let me point out in Acts chapter 2 verse 41, as Luke is recording these individuals that got saved, he said they got saved and they gladly were baptized. Baptism ought to be something that is a great joy. It ought to be something that is something that is exciting. It ought to be something that we look forward to and we want to participate in. Why? Again, because Jesus did it and we want to identify with Jesus Christ. And so it ought to be something that we, that we really get excited about. Now, let me just say this. When I got saved, I was not excited about my baptism. Tom, I'll tell you the reason why. It took me three months to get baptized. And the reason why is because the pastor's son got saved around the same time I did. And he got baptized right after he got saved, like the next week in church. And uh, he took his son and he said, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he put him under the water. And he said, Lord, I pray now that my son is saved, that he will live a godly life, that he will not stray, and he's still under the water. And, and my pastor is preaching while his son's underwater. And I'm not joking. I told a little joke about the drunk kicking his legs up. Literally, his name's Jason. Jason Ellen's feet floated up to the top of the water, and he started and water splashing everywhere, and he did. He pulled his son up, and he said, raised in the walk to walk in the newness of life. And Jason said, I said, I think I'm on wait. I ain't lying. I did. I said, I think I'm on wait. Not going to do that. Did you, did you know that whales in the ocean, did you know that whales communicate at a frequency around average? It differs for different whales, but the average is 30 hertz. When whales sing their song and communicate in the ocean and talk to one another, it's at 30 hertz. Now, here's what's fascinating about that. At, thir at 30 hertz, their songs can travel up to 13,000 miles to communicate with other whales. Back in 1992, the United States Navy did an experiment 
while they, while they were trying to figure out sounds and sonar and all of that. And they picked up a reading of 52 hertz. They couldn't figure out what it was at 52 hertz. And upon further investigation, they found that it was a whale communicating at 52 hertz. The problem was all the rest of the whales communicate at 30 hertz. This whale traveled from 1992 until present day. In fact, there's a movie out there right now about this whale. He's called Whale 52, 52 hertz. He's the only whale that they've ever found that communicates at 52 hertz. And since 1992, he's been communicating at 52 hertz, calling out, looking for other whales. In all of these years, he has never heard another whale communicate back to him. He cannot get on the same frequency as the rest of the whales. They've called him the loneliest whale in the world. I've met a lot of Christians in the same way. They are not communicating on the same frequency as Jesus Christ. And because they're not communicating on the same frequency as Jesus Christ, they come up with all these things, saying, no, you, in order to be saved, you've got to be baptized. It's baptismal regeneration. Or, no, you got, in order to be saved, you've got you to participate uh, in the Lord's Supper. You've got to participate in sacraments. Or you've you got to be a member of the church. Or you've got to do good deeds. You've got to do all these things. My heart's desire and my heart's prayer is that you will get on the same frequency as the Word of God. And you'll listen to what God has to say about baptism and the Lord's Supper and salvation. And when I was 14 years old, it took me three months to get on the same frequency that God was speaking on. And when I finally realized that it did not matter in regards to who baptized me, that I just needed to walk in obedience. I walked down the aisle three months later and I surrendered to Jesus Christ and said, listen, I am saved. I know if I died today, I'd go to heaven. But I have walked in disobedience for these three months. And today I'm surrendering to be baptized. I was baptized the next week and oh, what a joy it was to be walking in fellowship with Jesus Christ. Paul uh, when he was, excuse me, Luke, when he was communicating in Acts chapter 8, verses 12 and 13, the Bible says this, but when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and the signs that were done at Maysville Baptist Church. We baptize in accordance to the Word of God. But listen to this, because we just come off the back of the Vacation Bible School. We had several children saved, and you have yet to see any of them baptized. Why? Here's the reason why. At Maysville, we wait until our children are old enough to believe and understand the true meaning of baptism before we baptize them. We do not participate in infant baptism. However, we do offer a baby dedication, which is a time for parents to make a public commitment to God to raise their children in the ways of the Lord. Infant baptism or baptism of confirmation is different from the baptism talked about in the Bible. 
which is only for those that have placed their trust in Jesus Christ. In other words, baptism is to publicly confess your personal commitment to Jesus Christ. I don't want you to miss that. Because a lot of people think that, well, i got to publicly confess my sins before people. No, you did that to Jesus. You are publicly confessing that you are a born-again child of God. At Maysville Baptist Church, it is a membership requirement that every member must be baptized the way Jesus demonstrated by immersion. However, being baptized at Maysville Baptist Church does not make you a member. We've had individuals come through that we've seen one to Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord <clears throat> on their way to a different country, on their way to a different uh, place to live. But before they left, they said, we were saved here. We want to be baptized here. And we've been able to do that and to help them. That's why baptism by immersion is so important. And that is why, uh, and that is who should be baptized, those that are saved. Number four, very quickly, as my time is up. When should I be baptized? When should I be baptized? As soon as you believe, you should be baptized. So today, some of you, in, in clear, clarifying and clearly understanding baptism, you should be baptized. Uh, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, again, those, that who, those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day 3,000 souls were added to the church. Again, in Acts chapter 8, verses 35 and 38, uh, the Bible talks about how Philip opened his mouth, and beginning at the scriptures, he preached Jesus to him. Now, as they went down the road, there came some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's some water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. There's no reason to delay your baptism. I have never lost anyone in the baptismal pool. As soon as you have received Christ and you understand the meaning of baptism, you should be baptized. If you wait until you're perfect, you'll never feel good enough. It's not about feeling good enough. It's about walking in obedience. There's a couple of other questions that people ask about baptism. One is, can my family be baptized together? The answer to that is yes. Your family can be baptized together. If each family member understands, the full, the, understands fully the meaning of baptism and each one has personally placed his or her trust in Jesus Christ for salvation, uh, this, it is a wonderful expression of commitment. Young children who wish to be baptized are asked to meet uh, for one, with one of our pastors to ensure that they understand what it means to believe and to be baptized and the decision that they're about to make. However... It's important to remember that baptism is a personal statement of faith, not a family tradition. It's usually not wise to delay your baptism while waiting on other family members to accept Christ as their personal Savior, uh, particularly children. This puts undue pressure on them, and it delays your obedience. Uh, what about this question? What if I got saved after I was baptized? So I got baptized, and then I got saved. What do, I do? what do I do then, Pastor? Watch this. According to the Bible, the proper order is repenting and believing in Christ first, then baptism. 
Acts chapter 2, verses 38, uh, the Bible says this, Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we find the order repentance and then baptism. Uh, some people have, have asked the question, well, then should a Christian be rebaptized if, they uh, if they've not been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus or it's out of order? And my, the answer to that question is yes. You should be rebaptized. Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 5. Uh, the Bible clearly states there that the new converts in Ephesus had believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and had received water baptism, but Paul discovered that they had only been baptized in the baptism of John which was a pre-Christian baptism. So he instructed them uh, that they should be baptized in water again, but this time in Christian baptism, baptized in the Lord, buried in the likeness of his death, and raised in the likeness of his resurrection. So what I'm saying to you is this. According to the Scriptures, what the Scripture says, in the context of the Scriptures, if you were growing up and you were confirmed as a Methodist, and you were sprinkled, and then you came out of that and you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. You should walk in obedience and be baptized by immersion. If you are a Roman Catholic and you had infant baptism given to you, and that infant baptism uh, there is, is that baptism by confirmation, but you come and on, you're on your journey and you hear Jesus Christ is your personal Savior and Lord, you repent of your sins, you trust Christ as your Savior, you should be baptized by immersion under in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. If you are a Baptist and you were, you were baptized to, in, into membership and you've never trusted Christ as Savior, but down through your walk you realize that you need to be saved and you receive Christ as Savior and you say, oh yeah, I was baptized. No, 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 no. You should be re-baptized according to the context of Scripture buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Salvation first, baptism next. That is what the Scripture teaches. And then last thing very quickly I want to touch very briefly on is the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is the second uh, ordinance the Lord has given us. Baptism first, the Lord's Supper second. It's a simple act of remembering the Lord's death, burial, and resurrection through the symbols of a juice cup, and also which symbolizes the blood of Jesus, and then an unleavened bread, which symbolizes the body of Christ. Who should take the Lord's Supper? We do the Lord's Supper about four times a year here. Those that partake of the Lord's Supper, we have what's called open communion here. Open communion or the Lord's Supper means only those who are already believers should take the Lord's Supper. So that what are the requirements for partaking of the Lord's Supper? You've got to be a born-again believer. That's found in Mark chapter 14, verses 22 through 26. Question number two, and this is the last, excuse me, this is the next to last question, and I close. How do I prepare myself for the Lord's Supper? The Bible says you should be prepared to receive the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 27 through 28, the Bible says this, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat the bread and drink of that cup. So you prepare yourself for the Lord's Supper by doing four things. Number one, the first one is by self-examination. 
looking at yourself, says, Lord, is there any, anything I need to get right between me and you before I'm partake of the Lord's Supper? Number two, confessing your sins. When the Lord speaks to you concerning that, you confess those sins to God. And the Bible says he, he forgives us of our sins, our past sins, our present sins, and our future sins. Number three, there are some that when they examine they sit themselves, they must recommit, recommit their lives to Jesus Christ, Romans 12, 1. And then number four, the fourth thing is to restore relationships. According to 1 Corinthians, one of the reasons why the congregation there at Corinth was sick and the reason why they were dying is because they were abusing the Lord's Supper. The Lord gave us the Lord's Supper not to abuse it. He does not want us to abuse baptism. He doesn't want us to abuse the Lord's Supper. In abusing the Lord's Supper, the church was coming together and they were feasting. And as they were feasting, they were getting drunk. I mean, it was a mess. It was a mess at Corinth. They made it such a worldly practice. And Paul writes to the church at Corinth, he says, this is the reason why some of you are sick and dying. Because you've made a mockery of the Lord's Supper and haven't given it the proper uh, attention that it needs. And he says, so some of you... When you examine yourself and you get right with God, before you take that Lord's Supper, you need to go get right with others. You need to go and get right with the people that you have conflict with before you partake of the Lord's Supper. That's how you prepare. And then number three, the third question is, when and how often should we observe the Lord's Supper? Jesus never said how many times you should partake of the Lord's Supper. He just simply said as often as you do that. Here at, at Maysville, we, we usually partake four times a year. We do it four times a year. Each quarter, we do that. And we announce it, and we let everybody know, here's what's coming up. This is how we're going to do it. This is when we're going to do it. During the pandemic, we did it online. Everyone received it in their homes. It was a very special, a special time. We did it through video. Uh, we are making plans. We're sitting down talking about uh, the calendar for next year and we will get those dates down and we'll get those dates to you and here's my heart's desire my heart's desire is that we would have 100% participation in the ordinance of the Lord's Supper now next week we're going to have a very special baptismal service and we have several folks already that are lined up to be baptized Maybe in thinking about discovering Maysville and why we do what we do, especially in relationship to our symbols, maybe that's something you've never participated in because you've never truly been born again. So this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to receive Christ as your Savior. Would you bow your heads in prayer today as we bow our heads and close our eyes as we think about Maysville Baptist Church and why we do what we do? I hope that you walk away understanding that the reason why we do what we do is because the Bible says so. And in thinking about baptism and the Lord's Supper, maybe you haven't participated in them because you've never seen the biblical importance of them. My heart's desire and prayers today, you've seen that. But one reason why you may have never seen it is because you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. I wonder if that's you today, from your heart to God's heart, would you do something right where you're sitting today? From your heart to the Lord, would you say something like this to Jesus? Would you say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe that you are the Savior. And this morning, I repent of my sins, and I trust you as my Savior. 
Thank you for saving me. I will live for you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. As a pastor, my primary concern is your eternity. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, that you can know where you will spend eternity. I would love to connect with you and talk more about your walk of faith. You can email and find more information about the ministry of Maysville Baptist Church on our website. Just type maysvillebaptist.net in your search engine. Also, you can support this ministry through our website or by mailing your gift to 8875 Highway 82 Spur Road, Maysville, Georgia, 30558. God bless you, and I hope you tune in next week where once again we turn our hearts towards the Word of God.